90.3 RLC WVPH FM Piscataway. It's the core news for the week of Monday, May 9th. This week is our last week of the core news before we take our traditional summer vacation. But don't worry, we've got plenty of great stuff for you. And we know you're in the middle of finals, so you might need a little pick-me-up, a little something like a palate cleanser, some, some new sherbet to really, you know, make your last attempts at finals and papers just pop. So we've got that for you today. And speaking of popping, I may not be taking any finals, but I am all hopped up on caffeine today to keep me from being too maudlin because, yes, this is my last episode of The Core News as news director. Next semester... Sarah Morrison and Justin Matchick will be helming the Core News. But for now, we've got one more episode of the Core News left for you. Nana's got an environmental update. We speak to University Secretary Leslie Fehrenbach about this year's brand new giant stadium commencement ceremony. Then we talk to some different departments and schools about their separate, individual, up-close-and-personal convocation ceremonies where, yes, you... And all your other graduating senior friends can hear your very own name called. We've got some comics and gaming for you. We'll find out what some Rutgers students learned this year. And of course, a new music update from Justin Magic. But first, here's Sarah Morrison with the local news. One of two Rutgers University students accused of spying on freshman Tyler Clementi has volunteered to enter a pretrial intervention program that can get her off scot-free. 19-year-old Molly Y will testify against Clementi's roommate, Darren Ravi, in the high-profile case. In return, Y agreed to enter counseling and complete 300 hours of community service. Ravi is not so lucky. He faces 15 counts on intrusion and bias intimidation and can serve up to 10 years in prison. Clementi committed suicide last September after the pair used a webcam to stream footage of Clemente's sexual encounters over the internet. Former Edison Mayor Jun Choi officially announced on Thursday that he's going for the gold. He has plans on running for Congress. Democrat Choi, who served as mayor from 2005 until 2009, plans on running against incumbent Republican Leonard Lance in New Jersey's 7th Congressional District. Choi was known for his reform efforts in Edison that angered municipal employers, policemen, and firefighters enough to throw support behind current Mayor Antonio Versigliano, who is currently facing her own accusations of corruption. Newsman Jules Plangier is now a member of Rutgers Hall of Fame after his induction on Saturday. At 90 years old, Langier is one of the oldest members of the Hall of Fame, recognized for his decades-long journalism career. A graduate of the class of 1944, Plangier is also a Korean War veteran. He is one of 200 alumni to be inducted into the society since its inception in 1987. New Brunswick police are currently investigating an abduction on Townsend Street that took place early Thursday morning. Police say that two men forcefully removed a man in his mid-20s from the porch and has not been seen since. The two abductors and the victim sped away in a light-colored four-door car. He was last seen wearing a black jacket and black pants. Anyone with information is urged to contact New Brunswick police. Do you know anyone sweating over getting into college? It was no problem for 15-year-old Sahila Ibrahim, who got into 13 top colleges across the country. She picked Harvard last Wednesday. Sahila, a senior at the Wardlaw Hartridge School in Edison, says that she did not think she would be accepted anywhere because of her age but she received acceptances from 13 of the 14 colleges she applied to. She scored 2,340 out of 2,400 on her SATs and is in the 96th to 97th percentile, but she's still worried that her age would keep her from getting into the school of her dreams. The only college to reject her? Yale. And that was Sarah Morrison with your local news. You're listening to The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. Next up, we turn it over to Nana with your eco and environmental news. And this is Nana with your 90.3 The Court Eco Environmental News Update. First, I found a story on Conserve Wildlife Foundation of New Jersey. Earning an Eagle Scout badge is an honorable thing. One such man from West Milford, New Jersey, Kyle Whittle, has a project that will cinch his Eagle Scout badge. This Boy Scout organized his friends, and together they mounted bat houses on the sides of trees in a forest on the edge of Bear Fort Mountain in West Milford. Habitat is dwindling for our New Jersey bats. 
Also, there is a disease called white nose syndrome threatening our bat population as well. Most of our bats need dead, bark-flaking trees to make a good home in, but the bat houses are working, and good thing too. Good thing about bats is they eat insects. They especially like moths and beetles. Those are their favorites. But they also eat mosquitoes, termites, and flying ants. A very good thing to have in your yard. I have a few in mind. No bats in the belfry, just in the woods. They fly around at dusk. It's beautiful. So good job, and two thumbs up goes to Super Scout Kyle Whittle, a real friend of our environment. Last week, I decided to announce an award in New Jersey River as the 90.3 The Court Eco-Environmental River of 2011. I have elected to honor the mighty Raritan River. The Raritan River Basin is the biggest river basin entirely contained in New Jersey. The river supplies water recreation opportunities and transportation opportunities for more than 1 million residents in seven New Jersey counties. The health of the river is important to the quality of life in the basin region. Approximately 1.2 million people live in the Raritan River Basin. Over 600,000 people are employed here. Millions drink its waters or use it for recreation. It supports important biological diversity and has been used as a trade route throughout history. Industrial uses and urbanization of the river need to be managed while the quantity and quality of water during times of drought and flood need to be controlled. Today there is pollution caused by storm water runoff from farms and urban development. Wastewater treatment plants release nitrogen, phosphorus, and other discharges. Pollution is also caused from past and present industrial facilities built along the Raritan. The U.S. Clean Water Act and New Jersey DEP regulations have tried to regulate the use of the river and the development along the river, but they have not been able to remedy the past industrial pollution of the river. So I am glad to announce this one-day conference entitled Economy, Ecology, and the Future of the Raritan River Region. What's it in it for us. It is Thursday, June 16th, mark your calendars, right here at Rutgers University Cook Campus Center. The conference begins at 8 a.m. with the registration, general session with the status report on the river, workshops, and more. At the very end of the day, from 4 to 6 p.m., a fly casting clinic will be held. How interesting. For more information, go to blueroutin.org. I will be around Monday's Flipside Craziness radio show from 4 to 6, Eco-Environmental News Update at 5. Hope you tune in. And thank you. That's it for the 90.3 The Core Eco-Environmental News. You're listening to The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. When we come back, all about commencement and convocation, and the difference between the two. And so, so much more awesome core news right after this. In the next 59 seconds, our goal is to turn non-environmentalists into environmentalists. To that end, we're handing the microphone over to a moose. After all, what better spokesman for the environment than animals themselves? Take it away, moose. Are we still rolling? All right. <laughs> Get the moose out of here. <laughs> well, that wasn't very motivating, but if that didn't make you an environmentalist, maybe money will. For example, keeping your car regularly tuned and responding to the check engine light will make your car more efficient, which means cleaner air and less money spent on gas and repairs. For more ways to get green, go to getgreen.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the Alliance for Clean Air and Transportation, and Environmental Defense. Hey. Hello. Hey, just calling to check up on you. You were crazy last night. It's all over Facebook. Wait, what? What are you talking about? What? Don't you remember? We went to the club, then to the bars. Wait, all this is on Facebook? Oh, no. Yeah, you were going shot for shot with that one guy. Wait, how much did you have last night anyway? I don't know. I can't even remember. This is so embarrassing. Well, at least you know how much fun you had now. Yeah, right. Binge drinking doesn't have to be the only kind of drinking. 
two out of three Rutgers students stop at three drinks or fewer, and one in five don't even drink at all. This message is brought to you by the Rutgers Are You Sure campaign and 90.3 The Core. You're listening to The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. This week on The Core News, it is all about commencement and convocation. And what are all these things we're talking about? Well, before Rutgers merged a few years ago, there were separate liberal arts colleges. Livingston, Douglas, Cook had some liberal arts going on, and of course, Rutgers College. Then they were all merged into the School of Arts and Sciences. Well, now all those separate graduation ceremonies are both merging and splintering off into a vast universe of graduating here at Rutgers. The university commencement ceremony will be held on Sunday, May 15th at 10 a.m. at Rutgers Stadium. That is the point at which everyone will officially graduate, but no names will be called and, of course, no diplomas will be handed out. It's pretty much just a big fancy ceremony, you know, the, the pomp and circumstance that people talk about with respect to graduation. Then, afterwards, or before that in some cases, you can attend a separate convocation for your individual school or maybe even your major and department. So to find out what is going on with this brand new commencement ceremony, we decided to go to the person who is uh, heading it up for Rutgers. My name is Leslie Fehrenbach, and my title is uh, Secretary of the University. The majority of my work is actually managing the work of the governing boards, the Board of Governors and the Board of Trustees. And in addition to that, my office handles university commencement. This year, 2011, commencement at Rutgers is going to be pretty different than it has been in the past. So tell me about what is going to be different with this year's commencement. This year's commencement is different because it's the biggest one I think we've ever had. Um, we've moved it from Voorhees Mall to the stadium because we outgrew Voorhees Mall, basically. So the only lo- venue that we have big enough for this number of graduates is the football stadium. And that that's because of the creation of the School of Arts and Sciences out of the smaller liberal arts colleges? Yes, exactly. That's right. So it's been quite a challenge working on this and making this transition. There are some things that are a little bit easier and many that are a little bit harder and working in such a large venue. But the fun thing about the stadium is that there's lots of great technology there. So we get to do some kind of neat things. For instance, um, the names of all the graduates will scroll on the ribbon boards. It takes about an hour and a half to get through the whole list, so we hope it'll scroll twice so the students and their families will see their name up there on the ribbon board. We'll be using the Jumbotron in many different ways. We have an amazing video that was made for us by an outside firm sort of chronicling four years in the student's life at Rutgers and things that opportunities that they may have had while they were here, and that will play right before the ceremony starts. We had on Rutgers Day, we had about 100 students come over and tape shout outs to their parents and their families and girlfriends and boyfriends and professors. So those will be played right before the ceremony begins. We have um, honorary degree biographies of our three honorary degree recipients that will show on the Jumbotron. So we're, we're able to make the ceremony a little bit more exciting and interesting by using the technology that exists there. I guess one of the biggest differences besides the change in venue is that all liberal arts students will be graduating from one place. When most people think of graduation, they think of, you know, dressing up in the cap and the gown, walking across the stage, shaking somebody's hand and getting their diploma and yay, you're graduated. So this year it's going to be different. People aren't going to get their physical diplomas at commencement and they're not going to hear their individual names called that might happen at a different ceremony so explain what the difference is between commencement and the other ceremonies that'll be held okay good another good question the graduation experience is really two-part experience first part is university commencement which is the big stadium event with thousands of students there um nobel prize winner tony morrison is the commencement speaker some great honorary degree recipients lots of pomp and circumstance You can bring your entire neighborhood. We've got 52,000 seats. We're not going to be full. So you can bring as many people as you want to. No tickets are involved. Anybody can come at the last minute. Just walk through the gates. And then most of the colleges are having what's called a convocation, many of those following university commencement. And that's the more personal um, ceremony where most students will be recognized by name. 
The reason we can't do that at the commencement ceremony is if we did, we have 12,680 graduates this year. If half of them came and expected to walk across the stage, that we estimate would take over five hours plus the commencement program itself. And we don't really think anyone wants to sit there, even on the most beautiful day, for five or six hours for a program. So most major universities have their graduation constructed in a very similar format. So we want and encourage students to come to both because they're very, very different, and we think there'll be different experiences at both. So that's basically the graduation experience. And could you explain a little bit about how the phrases that degrees are conferred. So at which of these ceremonies is someone actually officially graduated from Rutgers? That would be the university commencement ceremony. Only the president of the university can confer the degrees with the agreement of the board of governors and the board of trustees. So conferring of degrees happens in the big university ceremony. And my understanding was that in past years, a commencement ceremony was held. It was primarily anyone anyone at the university was invited to attend, and that's where degrees were still officially conferred. But that was mostly attended by graduate and doctoral students? That's correct. And each undergraduate unit sent representative candidates, is what we called them. So each dean might send five students or ten students to represent his or her school and we would call them by name, call the school by name and they would rise and the degrees would be conferred among, you know, the 300 candidates of school X, even though there are only five or 10 of those students there. So now the nice thing is everyone can come and the students will be on the field and each school has some sort of noisemaker or attention getting device so that when their school is called, the students will stand up and cheer and they'll blow whistles or kazoos or bang their tambourines or whatever the case may be. So we're trying to start some new traditions this year. Um, and that's one to get the students really jazzed up about what is our item going to be this year. You know, the School of Environmental and Biological Sciences students will have cowbells and they'll be ringing their cowbells and they'll be trying to drown out other schools. So we hope that there'll be some friendly competition there. And, you know, new traditions take years to build. So the first year is not going to be the best year out of the box. We hope it's going to be pretty spectacular. Um, but we expect that it will get better and better every year. So I've heard about the cowbells. What are the other schools going to do? Well, you'll have to come to university commencement, and then you'll see and hear, hopefully. So, so the rest of them are surprises? Some of them I don't even know. Um, some of them are very well-kept secrets, yes. So who actually arranges that? In some cases, we've been placing the orders, and in other cases, the dean's offices have been doing it because they want to keep it secret until the day of. So the dean's offices for each school are the ones who are selecting what, you know, representative item they're going to have for their school? For most of the schools, yes, that's been the case. Some of them have come up with some really unique things that are actually, that are meaningful to them in, in a special way. Um, I don't want to give away any, um, so I hope you'll attend and, and you'll see and hear them yourself. Well, I guess, you know, you'll, you'll hear about it on the core after, after commencement happens. So I've heard a lot about new traditions and like you said you don't really know what's going to be a tradition you just kind of try things and see what people like and want to keep doing so what are some possible new traditions that are going to be tried out this year one that we're really pleased with is the cap and skull i think it's society i may have the wrong um, term there but they have ordered a bell like the old queen's bell and students will be able to come in and bang the bell individually um, and I think that's another great tradition because when we were here on Voorhees Mall, the old Queen's bell rang the entire time students were processing. And that was a really nice tradition that we had. And we've lost that going to the stadium. So when they called us and said, we'd like to buy this bell and have it every year at commencement, we were really thrilled and appreciative of their enthusiasm. So we hope that students will take advantage of that great photo opportunity there as well. Um, we'll be using the cannon if you've ever been at the football game. So at the end, when the president says you've graduated, there's going to be a big boom. And again, sort of that uh, colonial college, you know, firing of the of the cannon. And Graduates get to go out with a bang. Yes, exactly. Exactly. If you have ever heard herald trumpeters, um, usually they're in some sort of medieval dress or sometimes you see them in tuxedos and they have those big, long trumpets. They'll be starting off the ceremony. So um, a lot of fanfare this year. 
There were two that I was curious about, some of the traditions that Rutgers College was known for. One was the business with the clay pipes. And also the other thing, the one that I always thought was kind of cool was walking through the gate. Right. That you walk through it as a freshman and then you're not supposed to walk through it again until you graduate as a senior. Obviously, that's not really tenable if you're having your graduation, your ceremony at the stadium. Is it possible that in future years, Rutgers might have like a little separate ceremony like any, any you know, any seniors who want to walk through the gate can meet at midnight and, you know. Something like that. Right. Interesting that you mentioned that. On Rutgers Day, a student came up and said to us, you know, I I walked through the gate as a freshman, and for all these years I've hopped over the ledge because I didn't want to walk through. Would you be willing commencement day to ring the bell so that I could walk through? Because that just really means a lot to me. Um, We haven't quite finalized this yet, so I don't want to be promising it, but I know that there is on the lawn of old Queens campus, a senior party. And we've been talking with alumni relations to see if we could ring the bell then. So the students could, we'd ring the bell and they could walk through the gate. And um, that's, I think, on the Friday before university commencement. So um, get back to me and I can confirm that with you. But we're hoping to be able to do that. Um, We looked at trying to create the gates at the stadium and it isn't the same. It's really not the same. So we are looking at trying to create some new and different um, traditions. As far as the clay pipes go, um, we did look into that. We had a small group of students who really wanted to do that. Our student commencement committee, some of them were a little bit on the fence because that was very closely tied with Rutgers College and they thought we should do some new traditions. And looking at purchasing those, the cost of the pipes was about $30,000. And frankly, I had a little bit of trouble spending $30,000 for something that would be broken when, you know, that money could go for something else in the university. So we consulted widely with people, and I know there were some folks who were disappointed, but we just decided that was not the best use of the money. Do you happen to know what the origin of that tradition is? Um, I don't. It has something, uh, I'm not sure I can articulate it well. I know that it has something to do with breaking ties that you have made during your college days and becoming an adult and moving on. Um, I do think you can Google it or look online and it is there somewhere, but I'm sorry, I can't explain it any more clearer than that. This is The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. We've been speaking with Leslie Fahrenbach. She's the university secretary and the person who's been heading up the efforts to make this brand new university commencement ceremony that will be taking place on May 15th in Rutgers Stadium. When we come back, we'll hear a little more from her about what's happening with the ceremony. And after that, a ton more core news. You are listening to The Core News on 90.3 The Core. Thank you for listening to 90.3 The Core. And now, The Core Concert Calendar. Monday, May 9th, The Features will be at the Mercury Lounge. Tuesday, May 10th, Yola Tango will play The Bell House, and Fake Problems will be at The Knitting Factory. Wednesday, May 11th, you can see Phosphorescent at the Brooklyn Bowl, and Sleigh Bells will be at Webster Hall. Thursday, May 12th, Cass McCombs will be at the Bowery Ballroom, and Dirty Beaches will be at the Mercury Lounge. Friday, May 13th, and you will know us by The Trail of Dead, will play at the Music Hall of Williamsburg with Surfer Blood, and you can catch Beirut at the Wellmont Theater. And on Saturday, May 14th, Here We Go Magic will play at the Mercury Lounge, and you can see Coconuts at Union Pool. Don't forget to check out our website at thecore.fm. And now stay tuned. More great core radio is on the way. This is The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. We're speaking with Leslie Fahrenbach. She's the university secretary, and she's been in charge of starting this brand new commencement ceremony and making it actually happen. She's going to tell us a little more about what's going on with commencement. All right, so the big question, what happens if it rains? Well, we'll be very sad (laughs) if it rains. Um, This is a rain or shine event. So um, short of an electrical storm, we will proceed. 
Um, I've purchased 10,000 ponchos, rain ponchos. And if it's drizzly and uncomfortable, we will be handing those out, you know, complimentary to all the guests and the graduates. Um, and it, it is not as much fun, I have to admit, if, if it does rain. But we don't have any other venue. Um, you can't really reschedule for a different day because people are flying in here from all over the world. And they're making hotel arrangements and they've already made their airplane arrangements. So you can't really say, well, if it's bad on Sunday, let's just redo it on Monday. So it's an all or nothing kind of event. And we're all keeping our fingers crossed. We've got a great day. Yeah, at a school this big, there's never really been a good solution for that. Because when there were separate liberal arts college Mm -hmm. graduations, they would have them outside even if like even if it was raining a little as long as it wasn't just flat out pouring they would have it outside because if they had to move it inside to the rack people were knocked down to pretty much one guest per person yes and that's just you know that's just a bummer as 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 anyone who has tried to drive around new brunswick or piscataway anywhere around graduation knows so many people come in for it and i guess there's just really no good solution for that there isn't there isn't short of somehow having a canopy over the stadium i think we're stuck for the time being with what we have graduation umbrellas right so is there anything that you want students or alumni or people who are attending the ceremony to know before they come no, please just do come. Enjoy the day. We hope that it's going to be a spectacular event. Um, we'll be looking for feedback from people. We actually have feedback cards, so we'll be handing those out to the guests. So as I said, we hope to improve it year after year after year. Um, we're always looking for students to be on our commencement committee, and it will start up again early in September in preparation for next year. So if any of your listeners are interested, please have them contact us. Um, but come, bring your family, bring your friends, have a great day, um, attend the convocations too. They are equally as important. And congratulations to all the graduates. And parking for commencement? Parking, there's on our website, um, commencement.rutgers.edu there is a parking plan it would take me quite a while to go through it basically people are parking where they're ending up so for instance graduate school of education has their convocation on college avenue so their guests and attendees will park on college avenue take a bus to the stadium and come back it's much more efficient they'll move faster in traffic so people should look at what their schedule is for the day and look on the commencement website and it will tell them where they should be parking. But there's a lot of parking available. And what are the hours for the commencement ceremony? When does it start and end? It starts at 10 o'clock with the procession. We hope to start the actual ceremony at 1030 and be done close to 1130. So it's not the three hour, three hour and 15 minute ceremony of prior years. This will be a very fast paced event. And where are graduates going to be gathering before the before before they process? Actually, they're graduating in, they're, they're marshalling, as we call it, in the stands. So they will actually come in and they will be told, if you're School of Pharmacy and you're in Section 215, Social Works 216, that kind of thing, they'll be able to sit with their friends, which is nice. We're not calling names, so we don't have to do any kind of alphabetical order so they can all sit together as a group. Um, and then they will just all stream down onto the field. I was always impressed when I attended graduations at different schools at Rutgers with how students were organized and, you know, what went into figuring out who had to sit where for the various parts in the ceremony. And then, you know, the corrals of graduates with, you know, and then you had everybody got a card and you had to line yourself up by numbers. You could march out in the right order. That seems like the sort of thing that probably took, you know, years of trial and error to figure out the best way to do it. So, since it's just it's such a new and different thing is it likely that everything will go to plan are there do you think there might be some mix-ups or is it the sort of thing where people are just able to go with the flow well i think we're going to have to go with the flow a little bit because we don't know how many graduates are attending and that's the real wild card um we hope we're going to have a fantastic turnout and we wouldn't, as I said, encourage everyone to come just to see how great it can be in the stadium. But we really don't know. So if the procession may take longer, it may be shorter. That's why we're going to start at 10. I can't give you an exact wrap-up time because it does depend a little bit on how many students do attend. So that's probably the thing that is most um, 
frustrating about planning this ceremony, planning an enormous event and not knowing how many people will be attending. Um, but yes, the old way of the name cards and getting everyone in the right order, and, the, and that is done in some of the convocations. It is a tremendous amount of work. Um, also having students come early, pronounce their name so that their name is not mispronounced when it's announced on the stage. There is The logistics behind events like this are tremendous. We have um, just nine people in my office, and as I said, this is not our major job, but we have had probably about 350 people in the university helping us with the ceremony, so it takes a lot of people. Are you going to count how many graduates will be there in some way? Yes, we will. Yes, we will. And we did have a registration website where we had asked students to go and online and let us know if they were coming and tell us how many guests they were bringing. And then at random, we picked a student's name and that student will be getting a brand new iPad at commencement. Um, so hopefully someone will be very happy. So what do you think is going to be the highlight of the event? Like what, or what's, what's going to be like your favorite thing? Wow. Um, haven't really thought about that. I think it's just the whole experience. I hope it just comes together really well, um, that people find it fun, um, that they're, that they attend. You know, sometimes people have said to me so many times when they know that I, this is part of my job, I never went to my graduation and I've always regretted it. And I think it's a bit like training for the Olympics your whole life. And then you reach that goal and you don't go to the medal ceremony. You know, you, you never get that public um, acclaim, that acknowledgement of this great thing that you did. And also, I think it's important because many of the students at Rutgers come from families where their parents were not able to go to college. And so speaking as a parent of a Rutgers graduate, it is a wonderful experience to see your child graduate from college. And so not only is it great for the graduate, it's great for the families. And so I hope students won't deny their family that opportunity to come and celebrate with them. You know, many, many families struggle to send their kids to college, get second mortgages on their home, forego vacations, and they should be celebrated too. So it's a really nice family day. So if you can't do it for yourself, do it for the people who footed the bill. Exactly. Well, I can't say that in the past Rutgers has done you know, a pretty good job of doing like big ceremonies like this. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I guess it's going to be as big a day for your office as it will be for the graduates. Yes, I think it will be. Yeah, it definitely will be. That was Leslie Fahrenbach. She's the university secretary. And we spoke to her about the brand new commencement ceremony that's going to be held on Sunday, May 15th at Rutgers Stadium. At that ceremony, every student graduating this spring and actually this fall at Rutgers will officially receive their degree. They'll be officially graduated. They won't receive their physical degree until that comes in the mail. So see, you've got like uh, you've got an extra big day. Next, we're going to talk to some of the people who are planning convocation ceremonies for the various departments and schools around Rutgers. These ceremonies are small, well, smaller in some cases, in others, perhaps kind of large, like in the School of Engineering. This is your opportunity as a graduate to hear from, say, a student speaker from your school, your department. Your parents can meet some of your professors and your dean. And you can actually hear your name called and walk across the stage and shake hands with somebody. Feel like you've really accomplished something. Some of these ceremonies are being held on the same day as the university commencement, others the day before, and some, in fact, have already been held. In fact, one of those is the Department of Women's and Gender Studies. I'm the department administrator, and I'm. my name is Joanne. My last name is Gavand, G-I-V-A-N-D students in women's studies majors and minors, as well as grad students who just completed their master's and PhD degrees were invited along with their families um, to presentation of awards and certificates, and also we had a, um, a buffet dinner for them. And how was it? It was lovely. It turned out really nice. It was, uh, we had quite an, um, we had about 85 people that attended. And um, we had a beautiful day. The room was packed, <laughs> but it was really lovely. I think um, many of the parents said that they had never been to a nicer graduation, I think, because it was so personalized um, that they felt their students, their children were recognized appropriately. Because at the graduation this year, the large graduation, no students' names will be read. So that's why each department uh, was indicated to 
have their own or participate in maybe uh, a group graduation like the humanities. They're having one graduation that day uh, after the main graduation on Voorhees Mall, but we opted to have our own private one. Yeah, so can you tell me a little bit about what, what it was like? We presented each student with um, a certificate of their completion of their work as either a major or minor, uh, a master's student or a PhD. Um, awards were given out. We give out awards each year for, I'll tell you the names of the awards. We gave out one, two, three, four, five, six awards to um, recipients for Outstanding Senior Award for Peacemaking in Women's Studies, the uh, Outstanding Student Activist, and the Douglas Alumni Prize. And also there was a Dorothy Hamilton Ballier Award for Outstanding Research. So these were picked from our graduating class of either both honors and um, just majors or minors. Um, We also gave out teaching awards to uh, two of our Ph.D. students uh, for excellence in graduate teaching. And uh, we gave out roses to each of the attending graduates along with uh, this certificate. And we gave uh, a little bio on each of the students who received the special awards for either research, uh, activist, peacemaking, the Douglas Alumni Prize, and the research. And, you know, it was uh, informal gathering. The parents, of course, were free to take pictures all they wanted. And uh, at the end of the presentation of the roses to the students, we, um, they had group picture taking. And more than that, you know, there was recognition for the accomplishments of some of the faculty mentioned awards, not, not that they were, all of them were necessarily present. Because we usually have had an end of the year celebration, which really wasn't like awarding special recognition to the graduates. It was just an end-of-the-year celebration for everyone. So we changed it this year into an actual graduation ceremony. does sound like a really great ceremony. It was nice. It really was. It, left, it started at 4 and ended at about 7 o'clock. My name is Camilla Stevens. I'm an associate professor of Spanish, and I'm the undergraduate director of the department. We held it in Douglas Center in the, the Douglas Lounge, which is a really nice big room. Um, I would say... a about half of the graduates responded RSVP'd, um, and we we just had a reception from five to seven. Part of the reception was at five thirty. We read the names of all the graduates and handed them a certificate, and they all they came up and shook the faculty's hand. And then we basically and then we recognized some special honors for the students who had received honors, and then basically just chatted with the families and the students and ate cake and had snacks. That sounds pretty good. Is this something that your department's done before, or is this something that you've started this year? No, it's definitely new, and the whole reason we did it was because, you know, the School of Arts and Sciences and you know um, let us know that since it was going to be a stadium graduation, that they could help fund um, a small department reception because it was really important to maintain some personal contact. And there were, they offered us different ways of doing that, like we could do a party at graduation, we could do like a general party that's like just like SAS Humanities, and we opted to do something just as a department and not to do it on graduation for fear that um, people might want to go off and do their own thing on that day. So we figured that perhaps doing it on like a week night right before would, would work better for us. And how did people seem to like it? You know what? The students were, were great. They, I think, they you know, they took it seriously. and People got kind of dressed up and seemed really um, grateful and happy. Uh, and it, I think it was excellent for the parents, too, to see, because we had about 10, 15 professors there. And, you know, it's rare when everybody gets to, to be in the same room together. And the other thing was some professors commented that it was nice to see students that they had had maybe their sophomore year, and then now they, they're graduating and they hadn't seen them for a while to see how far they've come. So everybody was really positive about it. And my hope would be that next year we have a a larger turnout because you know this year was new and not everybody we did the invitation by um you know by like an email and so not everybody read the email and knew about it and i think if you know if they continue to fund it for us we would continue to do it well that's that it sounds like it was a a good event yeah it was it was it was good to, i think it was good to have some closure you know and there's thanks a lot take care have a good summer
um, people are handing their papers in. So I think, I, I mean, I'm hoping it's a new tradition, and we'll see what happens. But, it, you know, it, it all depends on SAS funding, because a department couldn't, like ours couldn't afford to throw a party every year like this. And so as long as the School of Arts and Sciences can, can support this kind of activity, I think the professors and the students are really, really appreciative of it. Well, here's hoping that you guys get to do it again next year. Yeah. Other departments and schools are having their ceremonies either directly before commencement or directly afterwards. On Friday, the 13th, right before commencement, an inauspicious day for some, but for the university college community, something special. Adalia, I am the administrator of this. There's just a reception on the Friday, the 13th, at the Nelson Dining Hall on Cook Douglas campus. And do you know why they chose to have it at Nelson? It was the the best place we can get for the time of the year that was available. What's going to happen at the reception? Well, it's basically a, a senior graduation um, dinner, and we have a memorial award recipients that we will be announcing during the dinner. We're also basically going to, you know, congratulate seniors because these are non-traditional students who, you know, pretty much had gone through a lot of obstacles to finish getting their degree. So we just want to acknowledge that and give them a chance to maybe say something, you know, if they want, and just a dinner. The School of Engineering will have a ceremony very similar to the one it held before the merger. My name is Kendra Cameron. I'm Dean Barris's administrative assistant. We are having our ceremony on Sunday, May 15th. At 1.30 p.m. Um, under a tent in the D field. That's next to the bubble and across from the stadium. And what's engineering going to be doing for its ceremony? It will be a variation on um, university commencement, just a smaller version. And it will be just students from the professional schools, engineering professional schools. So prior to this year, the College of Engineering had its own separate graduation ceremony. How is this yeah. going to be different from that? Just the location. Uh, everything else should be the same, except for the fact that we will not have we will not have a ceremony speaker. We'll just have a student address, but we have no invited speakers since I believe one of the reasons the university is going back to or going to this um, all-in-one day thing is to have one huge speaker and have that be the prominent feature for the day and try to encourage students to go to both uh, university commencement and School of Engineering's convocations. So we will not have a speaker this year. Have you have you been to engineering ceremony in previous years? Oh, yeah. So what do you think the highlight will be of, of the ceremony this year? Oh, it's usually the students getting their diplomas and just, you know, the, the excitement of them you know, going up on stage, coming down and knowing that they're, you know, they've graduated, all the hard work is behind them and, and, you know, the unknown is out there for them. But it's an exciting day. It's really an exciting day. Well, we're doing something slightly, um, we've added uh, something to the program. Uh, we're giving a senior gift. So as they come down off the stage, they'll receive some various things like, you know, alumni pins because now they're, they've become an alumni. And we're going to give them their senior gift. And this year, it's the first year that we're doing that. So they'll get a business card holder and they'll say School of Engineering on it. So that's something that's different this year. Yeah, that, that sounds pretty nice. Yeah. I hope the kids think they're supposed to. <laughs> we try. We try. That's definitely for sure. In the Department of Africana Studies, we went to Cheryl Tate to find out what the plan was. Uh, we will be having a rites of passage ceremony, and with the rites of passage ceremony, it's students who are pretty much black and Latino students, and we've been doing, well, I haven't been doing it, but Dr. Prosper Gordon, though, at the Paul Robeson Center, he's been doing it for 19 years. And this year, your department is joining as well? And yes, uh -huh, but we've always, our students have always participated, but this year, because we were doing the, each department was asked to, you know, do something special for their graduates, we will be doing that with him, so we will be joining and hosting that for him. And where's it going to be held? Kirkpatrick Chapel, May 12th at 3 p.m. 
That seems like a nice place for a ceremony. Is this is the rites of passage ceremony always held there? Yeah. And is there is there anything that you would want to say about about the uh, the students that your department is graduating this year? Well, we have we've been blessed, I think, because we have such fine students that are coming out this year, and many of them are going on to graduate school. And we have, in terms of majors, we have about thirty-two, maybe thirty-three. But we have also minors as well. And so roughly, I think together we have 95, I think. But don't quote me on (laughs) it, but it's roughly about that. So we have our majors and minors, but a number of students I see are going on to graduate school. So we're quite tickled about that. My name is Celsa Lentz. I'm the SEBS Convocation Coordinator and assistant to Dean Jerome J. Kukor. He's going to be at commencement, right? Yes, he'll be at both. We are having a ceremony at 2 p.m. on Sunday, right on the lawn at Passion Puddle. When Cook College existed, it had its own graduation ceremony. How is this going to be very similar to that? What's going to be different about it? Actually, it's going to be the same, except there will not be a um, speaker. The speaker is one over at the you know at commencement and you you've been to you've been to the cook convocations in the past yeah so what's it going to be like this year how is it different than ceremonies that other schools are holding well they'll be you know coming over from the commencement and people just arriving and if they want to have lunch on the lawn they can there'll be a vendor here selling drinks when i say drinks they mean soft drinks <laughs> <laughs> and um Deep Trouble is going to be singing from 1.30 to a little before 2, before the procession, entertaining everybody, which is one of our student groups. Right, they're an a cappella group? Right. Then the ceremony will begin. Does each student get his or her name called? Yes. What do you think is the, uh, what do you think is the highlight of the ceremony, or your favorite part? Well, you know, when the students are receiving their, you know, their degrees, it's a, it's a happy time. It's just a nice atmosphere here and there'll be awards for um, the number one number two in the class there'll be high honors which is summa cum laude they'll be receiving plaques student life will be giving their leadership award as well as the parents association will give an award and the alumni association and is there is there anything else that you'd want to say about the graduation well in case of rain it's going to be held at the rack on uh, Monday. Okay, so less picturesque, but still plenty of capacity. Yes, exactly. As many family and guests are all invited. We don't have a, um, a cap. My name is Casey Coakley. I'm the Dean of Students at Mason Grove School of the Arts. Our convocation ceremony is Saturday, May 14th. It will be held at 2 o'clock in the State Theater in New Brunswick. Why did uh, Mason Gross choose the State Theater as the place to hold its ceremony? Well, we used to have it in Nicholas Music Center, but each student was only allowed two tickets. We simply outgrew the venue, and students really, really wanted to have more than two people come to their convocation ceremony. So what's the ceremony going to be like? Well, it's going to be an exciting theatrical event, of course. The difference this year is we are going to have all of the BA majors. Those are the students from the School of Arts and Sciences with majors in dance, music, visual arts, and theater will be taking part in our ceremony. We will also be hooding the Doctor of Musical Arts candidates. Those are our doctors in music. They will be hooded, and it's going to be a very exciting ceremony. And so what, what do you think will be the highlight of the ceremony? Well, we have two speakers. The main speaker is Peter Sheldahl, who is the art critic at the New Yorker magazine. And we have a wonderful student speaker whose name is Lachlan Glenn, and he is graduating with a Bachelor of Music, and he is a pianist who's going on to study at Juilliard next year. And I think they will both have wonderful words of wisdom for art students about to enter the art world. Yeah, it sounds like you got some pretty good speakers. Me too, but what we really want you to remember is at the next, the next day at university commencement, Mason Gross has not yet disclosed our noisemaker. So we want everybody to come for the amazing musical event, uh, the the unveiling of the Mason Gross Noisemaker at University Commencement. That's right. It's a every... date 
secret. No one knows what our sound is. That's right. The only one that's been released is Seb with cowbells. And now that I think about it, if it's a uh, if it's a an event that requires making sounds, we can probably expect something pretty exciting from Mason Gross. Exactly. So we hope to see you all at university commencement as well on Sunday. All right, great. Is there anything else that you'd want to say? Anything like, you know, to the students who are graduating? No, we're just so proud of them all. They've worked extraordinarily hard performing day and night. And I just want to remind everyone that on the night of Rutgers Fest, when everyone else was kicking up their heels, many, many Mason Gross students were in tuxedos and formal attire singing the Bach B minor mass. And I'm very, very proud of them that even on a Saturday night, they are in performance mode and doing what they have to to get a very challenging degree. I'm Elizabeth Abadamarco, and I am the graduate and undergraduate secretary. So what is geography doing for its convocation this year? We're actually having a luncheon, and we've invited our graduates and uh, their families to attend. We're having it on Saturday instead of Sunday. We're also having, we have several graduate students that have received awards from the graduate school this year. They will be honored also. We're having it outside by the fountain on Livingston campus. It's a nice meeting place. In the event of rain, we'll go into the Yorba Lounge. And we will also, I, I'm sure people will be in and out of the, the uh, Yorba Lounge for seating because we're expecting around 80, somewhat 86 people, approximately 86 people. And is this something you've done before or is this new for this year? In the past, we've had luncheons for graduating seniors and our graduate students who have received degrees and awards during the year. And we've also honored our majors who have received certain awards throughout the years also. And we've done that for the as long as I'm here. We've always had a luncheon with that. And what we do, we mention everybody's name and uh, just basically a handshake. And the persons that were receiving awards... We do give out an Andrew Hill Clark Award, which is given to the most outstanding senior or seniors, and uh, they do get a certificate and does get put onto their transcript. The group that we're losing this year have been extremely outstanding, running fundraisers and just a great group of kids uh, graduating. And a couple of them, from what I've heard so far, have jobs, which is a good sign. <laughs> and um, just just great group, great group. And I think the next year they've kind of, uh, they've got this core and they've made friends and, and the next group coming in, I think, should be pretty, pretty equal to this year. This is The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. And now here is Justin Matchick with your music news. Bon Iver has announced a string of tour dates in support of their new album. The self-titled album comes out on June 21st. The tour begins on July 22nd in Milwaukee and ends on August 10th in Brooklyn, New York. Stops along the way include Chicago, Washington, D.C., and Boston. The Decemberists have announced that their keyboardist, Jenny Conley, has been diagnosed with breast cancer. Supposedly, the band will not cancel any shows as a result of this. A replacement keyboardist will be brought in for live shows during May and June. John Walker of the Walker Brothers has died from cancer at the age of 67. The British band achieved fame in the 60s and 70s with a string of number one hits. Pixies guitarist Joey Santiago has discussed the possibility of making another Pixies album someday. The band has no cemented plans as of yet, but they are thinking about it. One major proponent of the Pixies making a new album has been YouTube frontman Bono. He reportedly has been telling the band that he wants them to please make another record again. And now for your 90.3 The Core Charts for the week of May 3rd. Number 10 is TV on the radio with 9 types of light. Number 9 is Noah and the Whale with Last Night on Earth. 8 is You're a Tourist, the new single from Death Cab for Cutie. 8 is Explosions in the Sky with Take Care, Take Care, Take Care. 6 is Blood Pressures from The Kills. 5 is The Foo Fighters with Wasting Light. 6 is Arctic Monkeys with Don't Sit Down Cause I've Moved Your Chair. 3 is Beach Fossils with What a Pleasure. 2 is Helplessness Blues from The Fleet Foxes. And number 1 is Angles from The Strokes. With your 90.3 The Core Music News, this has been Justin Magic. You're listening to The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. The Core News is going into extra innings tonight because it's our very last broadcast of the semester until the fall. You can thank the good gentlemen of Sounds Inflicted for letting us intrude on their time a little. Don't worry, they are still coming up. 
So stay tuned. You've got more core news and some sounds inflicted in this awesome, awesome hour on 90.3 The Core. That's right. You're listening to 90.3 The Core. It is the last broadcast of The Core News for the spring semester. Don't worry. It will be back in the fall. And don't worry even further. Sounds Inflicted is coming up in just a few minutes. But first, we've got a little extra news because, you know, we at The Core News have so much news, we just we can't fit it into any reasonable time frame. Next, it's a little tradition that we have here at The Core News. The goal of being here at Rutgers is to learn something, whether it's in the classroom or without. So every year, we like to go around and ask you what you learned this year at Rutgers. Richard Siegel. I learned how to speak American Sign Language. I learned that I'm not a business major, not by any means at all, and that I do not care much as about school as I should, but that's okay because I am more into playing music on my own and writing my own songs and becoming a popular artist. Johnny Walsh. <laughs> you just learned that this semester? You know. <laughs> this semester I learned that in financial accounting, there are principles set up to create checks and balances within financial accounting that makes it a lot easier and more understandable to catch things like fraud, theft, and most of the business world doesn't actually use those anymore because they're too difficult. That's what I learned this year. My name is Caitlin Balch. My name is Sarah Morrison. I am the incoming public affairs and news co-director here at 90.3 The Core. And this year I learned that there has only been one confirmed drowning at Passion Puddle, which is the lake on Douglas campus. Hi, this is DJ Calamari of Squid Rock. And I learned this semester a very important life lesson, which is to plan ahead in order to resist Murphy's Law, which states that anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Remember that. Here are things I, Nana, learned this year hanging around Rutgers University News. First, Rutgers Take Back the Tap proposes that Rutgers install water fill stations around campus where students can refill their reusable water bottles and getting rid of plastic water bottles on campus. I learned the phrase, frack no... I learned sustainable is one thing, thriving is where it's at, thanks to GardensRevivingOurWorld.org, Garden in Bugla Park, coming this summer, yay. I learned that it takes you to make a difference, one person at a time. Litter bagging, not litter bugging. Conserving water, not fertilizing, not weed killing, using a reusable bottle for water or coffee and more. Try a few of these few things. They are easy to do. This is Nana from 90.3 The Core. This is Justin Magic, and one thing I learned this semester is that when you have a 15-page paper due, don't wait until the last night to do it because you will wind up staying up all night and be very tired the next morning. Hi, my name is Kelly Therese. This semester I learned that I should never use spray tanner on my legs even if it is for a project because it always ends up badly what i've learned this year is that if you have to tell your roommate to lock your front door monday through saturday don't expect him or her to lock it on sunday this false sense of hope can result in you waking up to find a stranger asleep on your bathroom floor i'm dylan mcclendon we've all learned something this year at rutgers as a university, on a serious note, in a year with more than a share of tragedy and tribulation, we've learned that manners count, and that your actions may have an effect that you didn't foresee, or that maybe you could have foreseen if you thought about it a little more. One thing we learn at college is that if you don't learn history, you're doomed to repeat it. So let's all learn from this year, and not repeat the bad parts. But you know... It wasn't all bad parts. Some good things happened, like, for instance, DJ Calamari started doing a brand new segment here on the Core News. Don't believe me? Well, go on. Check it out yourself. This is Nerdpocalypse DJ Calamari, bringing you the latest in comic and video gaming news. Today's top story, the number one superhero has been revealed, according to IGN at least. 
For the past week, various editors and executives at IGN, who are all deeply involved with comics, compiled a massive list containing heroes from popular companies like Marvel and DC and lesser-known companies like Dark Horse and Image Comics to find out who was the number one superhero. The heroes range from big names like Batman to smaller characters like Bone and even Rick Grimes of The Walking Dead, who was number 26. The top hero was none other than Superman, who was chosen for his unparalleled impact on the genre and pop culture as a whole. Batman took number two, and Spider-Man took number three. Up next, Thor premiered worldwide on May 6th to critical acclaim. The movie is well-received by critics and currently holds a 79% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb. Critics felt the movie was entertaining and a great way to kick off the superhero movie-filled summer. Finally, the Assassin's Creed saga continues this year with Assassin's Creed Revelations set to be released this November. This installment brings the protagonist of Assassin's Creed 2 and Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, Ezio de Auditori, to Constantinople as he tries to unravel the mysteries between the Assassins and the Templars. The game is set to be the last adventure for Ezio, and the next installment will feature a whole new protagonist with a new time period. While it's a mystery where the series will go from here, it will be interesting to see where Ubisoft decides to continue their open-world adventure. This has been Nerpocalypse of DJ Calamari. Stay tuned for some more great core radio. See, wasn't that nice? Yeah, on the core news, we've had a lot of interesting things. Our subjects have ranged from serious things like the war in Iraq and the war in Afghanistan to more lighthearted things like entertainment updates from the Sherman Tank or Mikey Storms. Here, we've got a little remembrance of some of the amusing antics that we've had here on the core news over the last couple of years. The core news will continue right now. We're not Yeah. Um, Get a job, you hippie! Ah! Undo! Undo! Why don't I say biology? Biology. I'm I'm telling you. What is that? Stay classy, San Diego. Okay, I like that. (laughs) Okay. That is so funny. It's a saxophone playing horse. It's like... <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. You have to send me the link to that. Oh, God. <laughs> is there any way we could get that on the news? It means I'm fancy. <laughs> There's a certain relationship that the grass has with the sun. The tents kind of interfere with that, so uh, we flip them around and make sure they get some, some sun every couple days. Classy. That's what I thought. Up next, the core news goes to the homecoming festival, but will we be elected queen? Find out right after this. Hey, hey! When celebrities go from mild to wild... Um, hi, this is Elizabeth Maddow. I'm from the Eagleton Institute of Politics. I'm the project director for Are You Voting? And this is 90.2 The Core. 90.3 The Core. And this is 90.3 The Core. <laughs> from 90.3, here's your Christmas forecast. Ho, ho, ho. Sunny today with highs in the low 30s. For tonight, cloudy with lows in the upper 20s. Merry Christmas from 90.3 The Core. And please, don't send us any fruitcake. Thanks. With your weather, I'm Mikey Storms. That's all for this week's edition of The Core News. We will not be back next Monday at 7 p.m. Instead, The Core News will be back in the fall. So in the beginning of September, the end of August, you can look forward to a brand new year of fantastic core news with all your favorite core news people. However, next year, Sarah and Justin will be helming the core news. So you can direct all your compliments and complaints to them. In this last edition of the core news, before we go to the summer break, and of course... My last edition of the Core News as news director. Be a good time to take a look back at the history of the Core News. Not not like a long history, not volumes. However, some of the people who have made the Core News possible 
The station has been around since 1971, and news has come and gone a few times. But the Modern Core News Department was started by Basil de Cambry, who both started up news and introduced us to the sounds of Chester Copperpot. When I became news director, it was just me for a while. And then I got my first news team, Amy Bronstein, who you know from the Iraq Desk and now the War Update, and Brett Doherty, best known for his incisive news and the occasional story on things like people holding up a uh, convenience store using a raccoon. And Mikey Storms, who brought us the international news, the weather, and of course, the entertainment rundown, when celebrities go from mild to wild. You'll notice this ending gets a little silent sometimes. It's because I miss Ilya Hemlin, who used to do the outro of the news with me. He also provided the occasional public service message. Vote. He did the tech news, and of course, the economic news. That's a billion with a B. A number of other people have helped out with the core news. Lisa from the Rutgers Zone brought us this week at the Rutgers Zone. We also found out what was happening with Rutgers News this year with our friend. I'm Mary D. Duke, and I'm editor-in-chief of the Daily Targum. And she'll be back next year to talk to Sarah and Justin about core news. And, of course, Rutgers News. Lauren Jefferson, our head music director, has spoken to us about new news at New Music at 90.3 The Core. (laughs) You didn't see that. (laughs) But you heard it. So, for the last time, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, if you'd like to join The Core News, if you'd like to find out how you can hear Core News over the summer, hint, podcast on the website, well, then you can send email to news at thecore.fm. The Core News has been brought to you by Amy Bronstein, Sarah Morrison, Nana, Justin Matchick, Norton, Rebecca Berkowitz, Yashwanth Manjanath, who is graduating this year. Good luck to him. The Sherman Tank, whose entertainment updates and Hobbit news have kept us on the edge of our seats. DJ Kalmari, Stephen Yannick, who provides our podcasts, our technical support, and our documents. This is actually recording. Check one, two, one, two, check one, two. We hope that you've had as much fun listening to the core news as we have making it. You can tune in over the summer, weekdays at 5 p.m. to hear the 5 o'clock news. But until then, thank you for listening. And for the last time, you've been listening to The Core News on 90.3 The Core.